Are you there? John 16? All right. <clears throat> Amen. Let's begin with the fifth verse. We'll see what the Spirit of the Lord does and where he takes us. Amen. John chapter 16, beginning with the fifth verse, Jesus is speaking, but now I go my way, 16 verse 5, John chapter 16 verse 5, the Lord is speaking and he says, but now I go my way to him that sent me. And none of you are asking me, where are you going? Father, we thank you for your word. We ask your blessing to continue. I thank you for the joyful spirit in the house tonight, for the privilege, the honor of speaking about heavenly things. We ask, O oh Holy Spirit, our comforter and leader and guider into all the truth that you would now come and lift us between the heavens and the earth that we might behold wondrous things out of the word of God. Father, we glorify you and thank you that despite the best efforts of the enemy, he is absolutely 100% unadulteratedly defeated, unequivocally defeated by the power of Almighty God and the blood of the Lamb. And Father, we thank you that you are soon to come and we give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory, and we will always do this by your help, by your mercy, and by your grace. And all God's people said, amen and amen. We pick up the story tonight <clears throat> at what, what they call the Last Supper. And I was reading several passages of scripture this afternoon concerning the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit. And it, as I was just reading this right now, what the Lord spoke here, he is actually speaking in the midst of the Last Supper and on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, which will ultimately lead to his arrest, which will ultimately lead to his trial, which will ultimately lead to his crucifixion on Calvary, which will then lead to his burial, which will then lead to his resurrection, which will then lead to his ascension, which will then lead to his second coming. So he's in the midst of what we can, we can't even really fathom. It takes the spirit of God to really communicate these kinds of things to us. But he has been on the earth now for some 33 years, 33 and a half years approximately. He's been ministering almost three and a half years. Everything in his life has been leading to this moment. For he knows, as we, as we have learned in the scripture, that he's about to be crucified. And as he sits at the Last Supper and as he, he begins to teach his disciples, he says something here that just jumps out at me. He says, I'm going to go my way to him that sent me, verse 5. But it's almost as if he, he's blown away by the lack of discernment amongst his own disciples who have been with him for three and a half years. So it's possible to be in the work of God and completely miss the purpose of God. Not only in, in the ministry, but even in our own lives. Somehow this will be connected as we go along. But he asks the question out loud. He says, number one, I'm going to go away to the one who sent me. And he says, but then it's as if he wonders out loud and he says, but none of you are asking me where am I going? Right? Now, 
let's dig in here a little bit. <clears throat> we can't blame them too much. They're human beings like us. And even though they witnessed more than any person ever had witnessed in history as far as the miraculous. I mean, he's the son of God. They, they sat at his feet. My God, that's scary to me. <laughs> but he'll later go on and tell them why it's necessary that he's got to go away. But first, he alerts them to the fact that they are so spiritually dense that they're not even aware of the moment that they find themselves in. But like I said, let's not get too hard on them. Because how many times have we gone through things in our life and then come out the other end of them and said, my God, until we look back at it, we didn't even realize that God was there all along leading us, guiding us. And then he reveals to us because we were too stupid to see him guiding us all along the way. Everything in our life. Everything, every situation, every obstacle, every victory, every valley, every mountain, everything is meant to work together like a giant concert with each instrument and event in our life playing in harmony with the purpose of God for you, for me. And then ultimately, by the Spirit of God, collectively bringing us together as the body of Christ so that we have one expression as a community, and that's the glory of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. God. Now get the CD, because that was really good. <laughs> See, they didn't, they didn't take that part out of me. I'm sorry. I'm, te I'm teasing you. <laughs> he says, but now I go my way. To him that sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? Now, he goes on to say in the very next verse, if you read verse 6, he kind of elaborates and answers the question to them. Why it is they are not able to even ask the correct question of him. He says, none of you is even asking where I'm going, he says, but because I've said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now we can look at the expression of the Lord coming into the earth in two ways. It was either an incredibly sad and tragic event because a good man died and he was just a good teacher or a good philosopher or some kind of great sage. Or we can look at it as we properly should, that it is a great celebration. But if we're not careful, the spirit of sorrow will come and replace what should be a more profound understanding of what Jesus Christ did and was about to do and is yet to do. He will replace that joy with sadness and cause our mind to be unable to think spiritually correct. So he goes on to say, <laughs> he says uh, in verse 6, he says, but because I've said these things to you, and what things? Everything you've been actually reading, you go back from chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. By the time he gets to chapter 17, they're actually walking toward the garden. They have left the upper room. And this is the conversation 
that we have privilege to as he heads to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is what he's telling his disciples. Prophetically speaking, this is what he is telling an end-time generation. That tribulation, that sorrow, pain of such a catastrophic nature will come upon a final generation to the point that if they are not careful, they will not recognize the purpose, like he said, why is it that no one is asking me where I'm going? You can only see one thing. You're only being, uh, allowing your mind to be controlled by circumstance. And as a result of that, something is being exposed as a, as a need in your life. There is a lack in your life between you and God. And what is that lack? The lack is the fact that you have not been filled with his spirit. And that's what he says. He says, I've said this to you, but the reaction is is contrawise to the reality. Because though it looks on the surface as, as the most tragic event in human history, the truth of the matter is, oh, yeah. is that Calvary reconciled Jew and Gentile unto God Almighty. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Come on, amen. <laughs> Thank you, and the resurrection empowered humanity and everyone within humanity who would cry out to him in his name to be born again. It's the opposite of being sad. So even the great apostles were exposed as being in a deficit place or in a place where they lacked a certain necessary ingredient to understanding godly things. He says, but because I've said these things unto you, sorrow has filled your heart. But then he, he takes them away from that. It's so profound. He knows what we're thinking. <laughs> I'm glad he knows what we're thinking. Think he's just hours away from being crucified. If it was me, I would have, I would have been so mad at these guys. But he ever lives to teach. He's always reproducing his love in our hearts. He shows how great a savior he really is. That even in the midst of the greatest hour of trial that the human race, and really the Bible goes on to explain all of the universe, seen and unseen, the most pregnant moment of history is on his shoulders, yet he cares for you and me. Hallelujah. What a savior. The Bible goes on to teach us that, that, that we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. But in all points, he was tempted, tried, and tested like you and me, yet without sin, without failure. But he knows what you're going through. And the Bible says that he ever lives to do what? To make intercession, to pray. For who? For you and for me. And for every generation that has ever lived. Past, present, and future. 
And he says, he, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, verse 7, it is expedient for you, or that King James word literally means it is better for you that I go away. How could it possibly be better for me that you go away? I've left my wife. I left my business. I left my family. I followed you for three and a half years. I've heard the crowds herald you as the Messiah. I've seen you do things that have made me question my very sanity. I've, I've seen blinded eyes opened. I've seen loaves and fishes multiplied to the extent that tens of thousands are fed. I, I've, I've heard you cry Lazarus and seen a dead man come out of his grave. How could it possibly be better for you that I go away? That's what they're thinking, and that's why he has to tell them, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> Hallelujah. I can't imagine it could be better if you go away. This world is awful. And the only place we have ever felt safe is by your side. Hallelujah. And now you're telling me you're going away. And, and he's telling them, you know what? You're afraid to even ask where I'm going as if that's going to prevent the inevitable. You don't want to say it. I mean, that's how we are as people, right? Sometimes, I don't even want to say it, man. I don't want to say it. I ain't going to say it. <laughs> oh, don't say that. You know. But nevertheless, God has a purpose. And he's telling them, this is the next step. Whether you can realize it or not, I am telling you the truth. I would never lie to you. It is better for you that I go away. Think back to the time of, of Thomas, our brother, when Jesus rose from the dead and he would appear to his disciples. Right? right? And then it would, <laughs> he'd come back and he missed the boat. I mean, he wasn't there. And he says, I ain't going to believe you. I, I don't believe you. I, he said... I don't care what you say, unless I can put my fingers in the holes where the nails were in his hands and, and, and where that spear went into his side. See, I ain't going to believe you. And then whew, the Lord appears, remember? And then what does he tell him? He, he, he says, come here, handle me. I'm not a ghost. He says, a ghost doesn't have flesh and bone like you see me have. And then, then the, the effect on Thomas was what? He collapses. And says, my Lord, my God. And he says, oh, <laughs> he says, that's good, Thomas. I'm glad you acknowledge me as being God. He says, um, but you believe because you have seen with the eyes. He said, but blessed are all the multitudes that are yet to be born who shall believe and yet have never, ever seen me because I'm carrying this to a much higher place where you can experience me at a level that is not determined with me standing in front of you, which means that you can be in any situation at any time going through anything and you can call on my name and there will I be. Oh, man. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Something is about to be born. That's what he's saying. 
and you can't comprehend it. And now, remember he goes on to say that? I have many things to tell you. But you can't even bear it now. If I told you some of the things I need to tell you, this is what he told them. He says, you couldn't even hear it. Something has to change. So it's better for you that I go away. Why? Because we're taking the next step in the Father's plan. Something is happening. He says, why is it better? He goes, we're already talking about it. He says, because if I don't go away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Okay, I'll hurry. But think about this. Because I was reading the Apostle Paul today in the book of Ephesians, and he talks about the Spirit of God. And he says that, <clears throat> that the Spirit of God was given to us as a down payment, the earnest of our expectation. Well, what is it that we are expecting? See, now, if you're not born again, everything I'm telling you right now makes absolutely no sense to you. Right. <laughs> so you need to get saved and then get on board. Right. And then you'll understand. But I began to meditate on this early this afternoon, and I began to think about it, and I thought, my God, they're all talking about the Spirit. Jesus goes into the wilderness. How did he go into the wilderness? He was led by the Spirit, right? Yes. And, then, and then he does battle with the devil for 40 days and 40 nights, right? And then what happens? The Bible says he comes out of the wilderness full of the Holy Ghost, without measure, full of power. Hallelujah. So he knew an intimacy as a human being. Remember, he is the Son of God. Never separated from the Lord, but he took upon himself a human form. And that human form was filled with the Holy Spirit without measure. And so it's almost as if he's being driven by that same spirit to the cross, to the tomb, to a resurrected body, to heaven itself, in order that he might confront the Father and pray unto him and ask that he send his spirit to a believing world who has accepted what he did and was about to do. On Calvary. This is why the resurrection is necessary. <laughs> you cannot have one without the other, and neither can you diminish the resurrection from the crucifixion. Now, I know people fight over that all the time, but that's okay. We love them anyway. Really do. But I'll prove that to you. Keep your finger there and we'll turn over real quick. It won't be much longer. I'll keep going as long as you want to hear. <laughs> so you're still interested, so I'll keep going. All right, now, listen. Paul. Paul says here in, in Ephesians, are you there? Did I tell you where to turn? No, I didn't, did it? The book of Ephesians. He says... In chapter 1, speaking of the Spirit, are you there? Ephesians chapter 1. He says, uh, look at verse 13, speaking of Jesus, he says, in whom you trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also that you believed 
you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is what? Which is the earnest. It's a down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Man, he says a lot there. <laughs> but he says the moment that, now remember, we're talking about Jesus telling us that it's better that he goes away. He says, because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come to you. But if I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. That's why the old time preachers used to call it, he's the baptizer in the Holy Ghost, right? <laughs> and we talked about this a few weeks back. We know that he arrived in heaven. How do we know that? Because this is one of the signs that he gave, right? right. I'll send the spirit to you. And then Acts chapter 2, what? It says, on the day of Pentecost, when it was fully come, suddenly, oh my God, there came a sound from heaven. From where? From heaven. <laughs> what was that sound? <laughs> Maybe it was the echo of our Savior and King's voice saying, you can go into the earth now, Holy Spirit. You know, there was a sound from heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> and he came with such a power, the Bible says, it was like a hurricane-like wind. It came into Jerusalem, and it filled the house where they were, and then it converted into fire, and it sat on 120 people, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God. What are you saying, Brother Marty? I know he arrived because he filled me with his Holy Ghost. He got home like he said he was going to get home, and he did what he said he was going to do. And Paul says... It's just a down payment. Hallelujah. Have you ever been so caught up in the beauty of his spirit? Have you ever sensed the presence of almighty God in that intimate place between you and him? It don't matter where you are. You could be driving down the road. You could be walking down a path. You could be taking a shower for goodness sake. But suddenly the presence of God will hit you. You don't even know why you're laughing or why you're crying or why you're singing. But it's the spirit of God. And it's just a down payment. He says something supernatural happened, Paul said. Paul's talking like Jesus. Remember, when he wrote the book of Ephesians, it was somewhere around 62 AD. He was just moments, months away from dying, from having his head cut off by Nero. And what does he begin to talk about? The spirit, the spirit. Remember what he said in, in, in the... I believe it was Philippians, when he, uh, he gives his, 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 his resume, he says, uh, uh, concerning a Pharisee, he said, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Concerning the law, he said, I was perfect. He said, I was circumcised on the eighth day, and I was born of the tribe of Benjamin. He goes, but what I used to count as being something, I count it all as lost. It's nothing to me. But he says, now I'm pressing towards something. Something is moving us in a direction if you're a believer. Something begins to happen that is incapable of happening unless the spirit is manifest and sealed upon your heart. He says the moment you heard the gospel, the moment you cried out to Jesus Christ, whether you realized it or not, something supernatural took place. 
a ceiling. It, 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 it harkens back to like, like when a king would sign a letter and they would take wax and they would like put it on that letter and then he would take his king's ring and he would seal it so everybody knew this came from the king and only the king can open it and only by his permission can it be opened. Well, that's the kind of idea that Paul is now enlarging to us when he says, when you believe, it's as if Jesus took his kingly ring. Or if you will, it's as if the father took your king, Jesus, and sealed him upon your heart through his spirit. <laughs> so when the devil comes and talks to you and me, let that spirit out. Because suddenly he sees a heavenly seal <laughs> ah, hallelujah. And he becomes afraid of you. Not of you, but of him that is in you. <laughs> Isn't that what the Bible says? <laughs> he says, greater, what, is he? That, that is what? That is in you than he that is in the world. He's talking about the devil. You don't have to be afraid of him because when you believed and cried out to God Almighty, he forgave you. He washed you. He cleansed you in the precious blood of the lamb. And in that very moment, because of the price that he paid on Calvary 2,000 years ago, rising from the dead, throwing off principalities and powers, cleansing the very heavens with his blood, seated at the right hand of God, the first thing he did was pray, send the spirit of God. The spirit of God comes into the earth. And when you believed, Paul said, you were sealed just like with an imprint of heaven itself. You look like Jesus in the spirit. Hallelujah. And he says, it's an earnest. It's just a down payment. It's a promissory note, if you will, of greater things. Our expectation. What is your expectation? <laughs> I'm looking. I want to see my grandma one day again. <laughs> I want to. Hold hands with my wife and my children, my father and my mother and my loved ones, my mother-in-law, father-in-law, my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to walk the streets of gold. I want to think that crazy, you know? And then I want to believe it. And then I want it to, like, guide me everywhere I go. So I might look crazy to the world, but I'm more sane than anybody that walks the planet. Hallelujah. Because I'm expecting something. And just, just so I won't feel like a dummy, he gave me the Holy Spirit. And every time I start feeling sorry for myself, suddenly it's as if the Spirit will come and talk to me. Why are you feeling sorry for yourself? What's your trip? Well, obviously something's wrong because... Because, because uh, didn't he pray that my peace I give unto you, yeah. not as the world give I it unto you? Yeah. Huh? Or didn't he say in his word that the joy of the Lord, that's your strength? Yeah. So what are you all upset about? Obviously, you're walking in the flesh. So get out of the flesh. Quit acting like an idiot. Go to church and preach or sing or worship. <laughs> 
do something heavenly. He works overtime to keep us from doing heavenly things. It's just the Bible talks like that, right? It says, set your mind on things. The Paul said that. Set your mind on things above and not on things below. How many stupid people? I've heard this stupid statement so many. When I first got saved, they used to say, you're so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. And the truth of the matter is, is you'll be absolutely no earthly good until you become heavenly minded. Right. Yeah. Right. Amen. Hallelujah. See, and this, 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 this required Calvary to make available to you and me. The cross. It required the very sacrifice of the son of the living God to tear a hole, if you will, in the fabric of time and space. And every dimension, every veil that kept us away from the father. He ripped it apart. See, in type, we see this happen on Calvary. The day that he died, remember, when he cried out. The Bible says he hung on the cross for six hours. He said seven things. We ain't got time to get into all those things. But, 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 the, but the last thing he says is, is, it is finished. And then he says, into your hands I commend my spirit, right? And then what happened? The Bible says that there was a massive earthquake. That the, the clouds came from 12 o'clock noon to 3 o'clock in the afternoon and covered the earth with a darkness that, was, that, was, that could be felt. Because, because let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. <laughs> the privilege of having him inhabit us by his spirit came at the cost of his very life. Amen. It's a powerful thing. Hallelujah. He says, into thy hands I commend my spirit. It required his death. He gives his hand, his life into the hands of the Father. There's a massive earthquake. What's the first thing that happens? A centurion recognized that this was, now remember, Roman centurions crucified people all the time. After a while, if you're an executioner, you just kind of get used to executing people. But there was something extraordinary that happened that day. Something so profound, something so amazing, that even the hardest of Roman soldiers would stand just at the mere death of Jesus. He would proclaim, surely this was the Son of God. My God. I've seen a thousand men die, but never like that. I've, I heard him cry when his enemies walked by and mocked him. He, he would cry to his heavenly father and say, Father, forgive them. What kind of a man is this? This hardened Roman centurion was transformed in a matter of six hours from being a pagan Roman soldier into declaring that surely this was the son of God. My God. Hallelujah. It was a foreshadowing of the Gentile world. You and me were going to be saved because of what happened on that cross 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. 
And he goes, and we know what the Bible teaches from that point on. He goes down into the lowest part of the earth. That's what he said of himself. And the Bible teaches us that prior to Jesus Christ paying the penalty for sin, that the spirits or the souls of men went to a place called paradise. Remember the thief on the cross? I love the thief on the cross because he reminds me of me. Barely made it in. <laughs> Just snuck on in, but he got there, hallelujah. I don't care how you get there, but get there. My God, you got to get there. You don't want to miss this boat. You don't want to miss this bus. You don't want to be late for this plane. I'm telling you, get there, get there, get there while you can. <laughs> oh, man. But what does he tell the thief? He says, he says today... Because of your profession of faith. Again, think of this. How profound was this sacrifice? That even a hardened criminal would confess his sin pre-resurrection. My God. What was actually happening? See, the spirit, that's why Jesus said, we read it earlier tonight, it's better for you. Something far greater than we've ever contemplated was happening. It's better for you that I go away. What was happening on the cross that day? What was going on in the spirit realm? Was transferring people even as the price was being paid. Joseph of Arimathea refuses to act like a Pharisee anymore. If he dies, I'm going to give him the very grave that I've paid for with my family inheritance. I'll bury him in that grave. Nicodemus, who came to him at night, no longer refuses to identify himself with, with Jesus, but helps Joseph of Arimathea take him down from the cross before the sun goes down because he honored him as a man of God. All right. Mary, the virgin. Mary, his mother was there. and Mary Magdalene was there. and John the apostle was there. The air was charged and electrified something was being born <laughs> blood and water would come out of him it was representative of the gospel he was saying I'm going to cleanse you by my blood I'm going to wash you with the water of my word and fill you with the water of my spirit. Hallelujah. Paul said, when you believed this, when you believed this truth, when you really believe this truth, he said, you're sealed. You're imprinted. Whether you can feel it or not at first, I mean, you'll grow into it. But, 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 but you're, you're hit with a heavenly truth, with a reality that cannot be discerned by the world. Paul would write that to the Corinthians, right? Amen. He would tell them. He, he said, uh, he said uh, discerning all things yet discerned by nobody. People don't know who you are. Oh, they just think you're Brother Marty, or they just think you're Marty, or they just think you're Stan, or they just think, you know, you're this brother, you're that sister, whatever. What they don't know is that you're a child of the living God. You're of the household of God. Jesus. 
air was electrified. Jesus told them just hours before that that it's better for you. I'm telling you the truth. It's better for you that I go away. And then, like I said, people were being transformed all along the way. Hallelujah. Something was being born. And Paul said, when you start thinking like this, when you believe the gospel of this great salvation we're talking about tonight, he says, whether you understood it or not, that feeling that drove you to believe such a crazy story, <laughs> that faith you had, that night you repented, that day you cried out to him, the day you laid down your life, when tears flowed down your cheek, when you admitted that you were a sinner, when you confessed that you needed a savior. He said his blood washed you, cleansed you, and then he says something spectacular happened. You were sealed with his Holy Spirit, and he's connecting his thoughts. He's enlarging the thoughts of Jesus to us in these letters. Jesus told the disciples, it's better that I go away. If I don't go away, the Spirit of God's not going to come to you, but if I go away, I'm going to send him to you Paul goes on and said well he's already here and he's living inside you and that's why you're thinking about heavenly things it's the earnest it's the down payment of your expectation that's what we were talking about what is it you're expecting <laughs> and we talked about his qualifications earlier he says I'm pressing towards some something is moving me it's what we have in common with every person mentioned to us in Scripture, all our brothers and sisters. Yeah. It's those rarefied moments, and they shouldn't be rare, but they are. Yeah. But the more that we cultivate the relationship yes. in him, remember what Jude said, right? He said, uh, building up yourself. He's talking about exercising like a, like a bodybuilder, only in the spirit. And he says, how do you do that? He says, praying in the Holy Ghost, your most holy faith, engaging in spirit prayer. The more you do that, something happens. It grows. And then he, he reveals to us in other parts of the Bible. Then, then, then we begin to be almost dissected, if you will, as our spirit man grows. We become less and less attached to the desires and the will of the flesh, the body. And we begin to realize that we're, it's almost disgusting in a way. We're housed by this thing. And that's what Paul said. He goes, he goes, he goes, I, he goes, man, I'm groaning within myself to be, to be clothed upon that this mortality would be swallowed up by immortality. Romans chapter 8. He said, the whole creation is groaning. See, see, the spirit came to everyone, to everything. He hovered over the face of the deep. He went to every corner and every nook and cranny of every dimensional creative expression of God and filled it with, with his presence. But, but, <laughs> but then something was born, the church. And that's why, why he goes on to pray. He says, uh, <laughs> he said, uh, verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession Unto the praise of his glory. He's glorifying Jesus. He's glorifying the Father. He's basically saying, these guys are awesome, man. <laughs> He's like, yeah, this is 
he, he's worthy of all glory. He's, he's talking like, this is a man talking, spirit things. And it's catching him away. It's, he's breaking free from everything that seems to be temporary and begins to think on things that are eternal and, and glorious and forever. And he begins to talk like that. He even says things like in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, he says, deep is calling unto deep. He says, I, I got so far out in the spirit one time. He says, I saw things. He says, I can't even discuss them. I can't even say them. He says, I can't even utter them. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's no form of reference from anything I've ever lived in this life for what I have seen. He says, but let me tell you about it. It's real. And, I'm, and he sent his spirit so that you would be elevated to a place. I would be elevated to a place where I begin to believe heavenly, eternal things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> what does he call us? He says, and really he's talking about all of creation. He says that the Holy Spirit is given to us is part of our inheritance. Just a part. See, eventually even the measure of the spirit that we have within us individually will be fully realized. When we are collectively declared to be the bride of Christ. When our wills coalesce with the Father's will. And that can only happen as the Spirit enlarges himself in us. Amen. Something beautiful. We become what? A habitation. Look, turn over to chapter 2. Look at chapter 2 real quick. Give me five more minutes. Chapter 2. I don't want to stop talking like this. Right. So you can just get up and go home. I don't want to stop talking like this. <laughs> I've needed to hear this. <laughs> Hallelujah. I need to hear this, man. You go, look, look at chapter 2. Chapter 2. Well, for, yeah, let's go look at chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 21. Well, look at verse 20. He says, look. He says, you're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Chapter 2, verse 20 of Ephesians, you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. He's, he's, talking, he's talking about something that's being constructed. And he says that the foundation of it comes from the apostles and the prophets, which is so cool to me because these are the apostles that we started out talking about tonight. Whose, whose heart originally was filled with sorrow. But then Paul later testifies of them in the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, just maybe 29 years later, he calls them the very foundation of the building that we're about to become collectively. We will house the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. And, and, and you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone in whom all the building fitly joined together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are built together for what? For a habitation of who? God. How? Through the Spirit. Come on. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's why we fight and have to fight against the spirit of the age. It moves us in a direction that keeps us 
from meditating on heavenly things. Heavenly things can never be comprehended by people who are not heavenly minded. <laughs> and neither will they be understood by those who don't know him as Lord and Savior. They cannot be understood because they can only be understood as the Spirit of God reveals it to us. And you cannot have the Spirit of God unless you lay down your sin and become born again. And at that moment, we just read it earlier, we're sealed with a deposit, the earnest of our expectation. Our expectation being what? Heaven. Eternal life. Where every tear will be wiped away. Where every sickness and every disease will finally be realized as healed. Where death itself will be swallowed up. And then the scripture, as he, as, he, as, he, as he said it, oh, death, where is your sting? Ah, grave, where is your victory, grave? Hallelujah. There's that old lady, that uh, old lady, <laughs> that older sister, sorry, lady. <laughs> I'm talking about Betty Jean Robinson. <laughs> she used to sing that song. Ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. Ain't no grave. Gonna hold my body down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm gonna meet you, Jesus, meet you. Yeah. Meet you in the middle of the air. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What are you crazy? Yeah, I'm crazy. That's the earnest of my expectation. I can't help but talk like that. Get out of the way, you stupid flesh. And, and, and then your, your body starts losing its power to direct you. Your mind starts going, okay, I kind of like that. And he follows your spirit, which is created after the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, and Paul tells us in Hebrews chapter 5, he says, it's at that point that strong meat belongs to you and me. He says, because strong meat belongeth to them who are of full age, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, I believe it is, who by reason of use have exercised their senses to discern both good and evil. And we're carried into a higher level of understanding. That's why I was, I was listening to one of the CDs I preached here a few months back, back in July or something. And I made a statement in there. The Spirit had me make a statement that I didn't even realize I had made. I was talking about that the more that the Spirit of God is allowed to, to reveal himself in us, the more that you can walk into any situation and change it, change the atmosphere. By the mere presence of the one who dwells inside of you and inside of me. Now, I think I told you the story about when I was a teenager and they were always trying to witness to me because I was such a party animal. I was nuts. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I was a good Catholic, though. <laughs> I knew all the prayers. I could do the rosaries. I did the confessions, but I didn't know him. And, and there was this guy named Rolando Salas in Eagle Pass, Texas. He was like 17 years old, and I was like 15. And he got saved. He, he was hanging out with those weirdo people, the ones that play tambourines and speak in tongues. Those crazy people. <laughs> that's before it was popular, you know? I mean, that's before, I mean, it's just starting out, and everybody thought they were weird, especially in a, in a small border town in Texas where, you know, it's like 98% Catholic, you know? <laughs> but the Rolando was one of those guys, one of those tongue talker guys. 
And so I remember the day we were watching the L.A. Dodgers play. They were in the championship or something like that, uh, seeing who's going to go to the World Series. And they won the playoff game in a dramatic fashion. But that day, we were all smoking dope, man. We're, sorry about that, kid. Don't smoke dope. Don't do drugs. No, I'm serious. <laughs> but we were all getting high. We were smoking weed, man. And all of a sudden, there's a, there's a, there's a, the, the bell ring at my, at my door. And we're like, man. And I go look out the, 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 the window. And it's Rolando. It's stupid Rolando, man. <laughs> and he's got a Bible probably as big as his pulpit under his arm, you know? <laughs> and, you know, and, and we, we start hiding the papers and putting the weed under here and hiding the bong and, like, shh, you know? And, and it was, you know, just spraying stuff. <laughs> and years later, I was thinking, why did you act that way? I mean, it's not your daddy. It's not the police. It's a 17-year-old boy full of the Holy Ghost who represented heaven, and it scared the hell out of us. Hallelujah. <laughs> my God, my God. We need to be full of his spirit. He paid a price that is so immeasurable, so eternal, so grand, so glorious. It's better for you that I go away. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Glory to God. So collectively, we're built up as a house for God, for his spirit. And it can never be fully realized. That's why we have to come to church. <laughs> I mean, as awesome as I am. <laughs> By myself, I don't look like much. But when we all get together, and we start talking like this, and singing like this, and acting like this, and that little bit of the Spirit of God that's in you comes out, and that little bit of the Spirit of God that's been given to me comes out, and comes out of you, and you, and you, and you, and you, suddenly the atmosphere becomes charged. My God, I've seen it on the fields of Africa, brother. I've seen blinded eyes open. I've seen little children that were born paralyzed get up out of the dust of the ground and walk around and freak out tens of thousands of people because they came believing and the Spirit of God manifested. The devil could not abide there. If they're not afraid to come to your church, there ain't nothing happening in your church. <laughs> uh, you didn't hear what I said. <laughs> I wasn't afraid of Orlando. Rolando. I thought I was afraid of Rolando. I was afraid of the spirit of God in him. He didn't even say anything. He just came to say hello. So I let him in. And suddenly, you know, we were just all bummed out. <laughs> you know, we've been waiting all day to get our weed. We finally get our weed. And then Rolando shows up, man. He knew we were stoned, but he didn't even act like it. She says, what are you doing? I go, ah, oh, nothing. We're just watching the game. You know, I know you, you don't do that kind of stuff. You're one of them holy rollers. That's what I was thinking, right? <laughs> and, and, and so I was hoping he said, okay, I'll come back later or something, you know. And then he said, oh, I'll watch the game with you. And I was like, man. <laughs> and the whole time, the devil in me is telling him, get rid of him, throw him out. I, I don't even, I want to really, honestly, I wasn't even born again yet. I was Catholic. I did religious things. 
but I truly didn't understand the plan of salvation and try as I wanted to, as much as I wanted to, as much as my mouth wanted to say, bro, we're partying, you don't do that kind of thing, get out of here. I couldn't say it because the power of God that was in that boy kept me from manifesting the devil over him. Hallelujah. He, he, he's a building filled up with the Spirit of God. And he changed the atmosphere by the mere presence of the one that was in him. And it scared the devil out of us. And then we're talking about the earnest of our expectation. Our expectation was the Dodgers were going to win. Okay? The Dodgers won the game in dramatic fashion. It was like the ninth inning or bottom of the ninth or something crazy. Home run was hit. And, and, and everybody in L.A. Dodger Stadium... We were watching by TV, and he was like, yeah, everybody's going crazy. It was back when Tommy Lasorda was coach, big old belly goes running out on the field. He's all, <laughs> he was all happy, you know, and we're all happy, and, 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 and you know, and we're all happy because the Dodgers won, and, and, and then Rolando says something. He says, you know, do you see all those people acting all crazy and stuff? And we're like, yeah, what? Why you got to be a bummer, dude? You know? And he says, he says, that's what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back. I'm like, why do you have to go there? <laughs> I'm watching a baseball game. It's exciting to me. And all you can think about is Jesus coming back. What do you see? Hmm. He changed the atmosphere. He left that day. And he came back later. We didn't smoke any more weed either that night. I don't know why. I do know now. The presence of God lingered. It convicted us. We didn't want to get high no more. That's so powerful, man. Didn't want to get high no more. That day, at least. He would come back later that night, and I'd open the door for him, and I'd ask him. Come on in. And he came in. And it seemed like his Bible was bigger than when it was there that earlier that day. <laughs> and he said, I, I just feel like God wanted me to come over and pray for you. I didn't understand that kind of stuff, but I couldn't say no. He'd been interceding for me. Thank God, man. Thank God. And uh, he began to pray over me. And I was used to, you know, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you, that kind of stuff. But he began to say, oh, God, bless Brother Marty. I pray that his eyes would be open. And then suddenly he went over into his heavenly language. He started going, Shandala bro, shotala mahande. He began to pray from his spirit. And see, see, we have forgotten in the church. We're afraid. We don't want to embarrass ourselves. Or we, don't, we can't really show our loved ones what we do when we're over here on Sunday night. You know, I mean, we don't act like that out there. Oh, but if we did. He began to pray in my house. He's praying in tongues over this Catholic boy. That's boldness, man. <laughs> and it was weird. I, I believe it really, I've only had like two visions in my whole life. But that day, it was the most beautiful thing. Because you would think in the natural way of thinking that that would be just outrageous. Because I don't even know. 
But Paul would even tell us that praying in the spirit like that is it, not for the believer to, to, to deal with. It's, for, it's a sign to the unbeliever. And, and, and as he prayed over me that day, it was as if he, and I'm telling you the truth, God, here's what I'm telling you. It was as if he was transformed as I was sitting there because he got up and he began to pace around. He began to pray in the spirit. And he was praying over me. And then he'd come over and he'd lay hands on me like, oh, and he'd groan in the spirit. And, and I was looking at him going, this is what, and it was like he changed. I had never heard anyone pray in tongues, let alone intercede, truly intercede in the Holy Ghost like that before. And it was as if I was looking at him. He changed into the image of the most beautiful, tiny baby bird. And, and all I could see, that was the image that came into my head. And as he was praying in the spirit, I saw like the image of this beautiful baby bird. And it was as if God was the spirit, was the mother bird and was flying to him to feed him heavenly things. And it convicted me. I didn't get saved that day, but I believe that that prayer that day drove away all kinds of darkness from me and moved me closer to the day, which would only be a few weeks later, where I would accept him as my Lord and my yeah. Savior. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's better for you that I go away. See, Marty, Sean, pastor, brothers and sisters, Jesus is talking to us. He says to us, I want you to feel what I've always felt. As a matter of fact, so horrible, you don't even know how cool it is. As a matter of fact, when it's going to happen to me because I'm paying the price on Calvary, it's going to happen to me that my father must move away from me. Darkness will cover the land. And I will cry out of a sheer horror horror of my perfected humanity my God my God why have you forsaken me because I've always known that connection and so what I'm telling you here this night he says that night that that, that most beautiful of nights that Passover night he, he, he says it's better for you that I go away so that you might know an intimacy with God that is so far above anything that you can possibly comprehend and you can only comprehend it spirit to spirit. For God is a spirit. And they that worship him, it's not optional. They must worship him in spirit and in truth. She said, where do you have to give me to drink? For the well is deep. And he told the woman, if you knew who it was that is talking to you, you would have asked of him, and I would have given you living water that will be springing up in you unto eternal life. Paul says, this is where we're headed. This is what we're about. A great transformation is occurring. This is why when you turn on the news at night and you witness the horrible things, if you're paying attention, that are taking place around this earth. People are being crucified. Are you hearing me? They are crucifying your brothers and literally crucifying your brothers and sisters in the Middle East. 
They're cutting heads off. Who would have ever thought that the book of Revelation would be real? I mean, I, I mean, we did, but we, I mean, really? The heads of them that were decapitated for their faith in Christ are sitting before, what was that? Maybe in the 15th century, but the 21st century. No, Rolando, he wasn't weird, man. He was right on. He's a servant of the Most High God. And he's calling us collectively to express that. We're going to need that kind of power to overcome darkness or even to walk through the darkness. Because not all of us are guaranteed a smooth ride till we get home, man. If you have any kind of spiritual quality about you, you can sense the evil that's growing like a cloud over the face of the earth. But let's close with this, Isaiah 60. Remember what we just said. You can sense that an evil is growing like a cloud over the face of the earth. Isaiah chapter 60. And, and, and our leadership above, above us right now. I'm not being political. I'm just telling you what I see. I don't care if they're Republican, Democrat, Independent, whatever. They're all stupid. They have no idea. Unless they know Jesus Christ. And I don't hear none of them talking about the Lord. A lot of them are afraid to call evil, evil. Political correctness will get you crucified. Just ask those million Jews that the Romans crucified on crosses where they had to import wood from as far away as Lebanon some, <laughs> some 1,930 years ago. When Titus came down with his armies and destroyed Jerusalem because they had proclaimed at the foot of the cross, let his blood be upon us and upon our children and our children's children. That kind of evil. But it was those who were warned by the Spirit, remember? When you see armies encompassing Jerusalem, he says, flee to the hills. You that, are in, 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 you that are on the housetop, don't go back down inside. You that are in the field, don't return to your house. He's talking to a future generation as well. What do those things have in common? If you're on the housetop, you're not distracted by anything. You can see all around you. But if you're, that's why he says, don't get off the roof. Do not allow the spirit of the age to take you from a position of revelation where you can see and discern the hour in which you live. Don't come down from off the roof. You that are in the field, he says, do not be dis don't go, don't, don't return back to the house because there's too many doors and windows and closets that'll block your vision from seeing what's truly happening. And if, you're in, if you have any measure of the spirit of God, you can sense the evil that's growing, but his people, he promises, are you there, Isaiah 60? I believe that's where it is. He says, uh, he says, arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Why? Why does the glory have to rise? For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But, hallelujah, the Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. His glory, and we, we've had hints of that throughout 
the scriptural ages, the, the three Hebrew children who, who they, weren't, they, they weren't rescued from the fiery furnace. They had to walk right down in the middle of, of, of a fiery furnace that was heated seven times hotter. But what happened? When they went into that darkness, the glory of the Lord shone upon them to the point where the most powerful man in the world, Nebuchadnezzar, came up off his throne and said, didn't we throw three guys in there? He said, I don't, not only do I see three of those guys that we threw in there, I see a fourth walking into the fire, and he looks like the son of God. When they were stoning Stephen. See, why, why do you think Paul was talking about the spirit? Because the Bible says that, that Paul was the one that was holding the garments of those that were throwing stones at Stephen. But just before he died, Paul would testify and the Bible would testify that what happened in the midst of that evil act of, of cruelty and murder upon their, their very brother, Stephen, it says that, that he looked up and his face shone like an angel. The glory of God is coming. We're going to need it. Develop it. Learn how to hook up to him. I need it. More than all of you here put together, I need it. Because as I speak it to you, it's more real than when I go home. It's true. Because his anointing is on me right now. And it grows. And the more I talk about him, the greater his anointing grows on me. Same with you. You talk God things to your children. And when they're older, they won't depart from him. Let us, let us collectively as a community make a commitment to each other. That we will, we will come together as the community of the church. That we will begin to make a commitment this year as the days continue to grow dark. Remember we talked about the blood moons last year. Well, you know, it's about to happen again. And ever since we talked about it last year, it's gotten awful, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to get worse. But pray in the spirit. I didn't understand why I felt so troubled just an hour before I came over here. I felt like the most ranked, worst sinner in the world. But I, I, I understand and have learned over the years that when that kind of feeling comes upon me, or even you might be going through some things like that sometimes, it is because the enemy can sense that something holy is about to be expressed. So it's best. What did Jesus say? Remember what Jesus gave us the example? He says, I will not speak to you much from this point on. Right? He says, because the hour of darkness is coming. So I'm going to shut my mouth. As a matter of fact, he wouldn't speak again except maybe one thing when they demanded that he admit that he was the Messiah, the Son of God, he said, you, you say that I am. He told Pilate, uh, my kingdom is not of this world. He's talking heavenly things. And the only time he would speak would be in absolute obedience to his father as he hung upon the cross speaking seven things, covering the 7,000 years of human history. We're, we're wrapping this up. We just read from the prophet. Gross darkness is, is going to come. Don't be afraid of it. We need not fear those things. What did Jesus say? What's the worst that could happen? I don't want to die. Well, who wants to die? But I mean, the more that you understand, and I understand, the truth of the matter is, if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, 
you already died. And you're already alive in his kingdom. Hallelujah. What's that song go, Brother Stan? I'm looking for a city where the roses never fade. What is your expectation tonight? Are we being moved toward a heavenly destiny? Or are we kidding ourselves? You know right now we ain't kidding ourselves. You can feel it. That's what we embrace. That's what we fight to hang on to. That's why we pray in the spirit. That's why we read the word. And that's why it's hard to do those things. Because we're in a struggle. Paul would later go on in the book of Ephesians, enlarging on the things of the spirit. He says, you're being called to something. Walk worthy of your vocation. Chapter 4. He says, you're built up together like we just read. So that the spirit of the Lord can arise upon you and shine through you. And dispel the darkness around you. You know the great, <clears throat> the great disciple of, of John, his name was Polycarp. When they came to, to, to martyr him, if you read in the book of a martyr, they tied him to the stake. To a stake, and, and they lit him on fire. And he refused to deny the Lord. And, and, and they said, it is, it is the written account of, of, of his death, of his martyrdom, is that when the flames began to, to burn his, hum, his humanity, his flesh, that, that, that it, they testified that all around the villages and all around the area, it smelled as if the most beautiful baking bread was being baked. And it said that when he died, that his veins and his, his, his whole body burst open and that the blood that flowed through his veins put the fire out. And that there was accounts of, of the glory of the Lord, of our brothers and sisters who walked down into the cruel uh, Colosseum floors of, of, of the Roman Empire. And they, and they would be torn from limb to limb by, by, by ravenous beasts and, 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 and a debauchery and a hellishness that you cannot imagine. But there are accounts of Roman soldiers who would witness women, children, older men, older ladies, men, young men, strong men, didn't matter, uh, being led to their death, singing to the Lord as they heard in the background the echoes of the lions and the tigers and, uh, that were about to be loosed upon them and tear them limb from limb. And so glorious was the sight that these hardened Roman soldiers would take off their helmets. I've read this. Put them down. Take off their swords. Put them down. Put their spears down and join them in the middle and accept the Jesus that they heard them praising. That's a power that is greater than any jihad sword. Come on, somebody. That's a power that's greater than any false god. Oh, my God. You don't hear what I'm telling you here tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, the Bible said. And Paul said, seeing that we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, the Bible says that he's coming back in the clouds to a generation, right? <laughs> well, he's not talking about atmospheric clouds. He's talking about clouds of witnesses. Hallelujah. Because we're clothed in white. 
So when we see him coming, it will look like clouds because millions upon millions who gave their hearts to him and died are coming back in their glorified bodies. And a generation, Paul says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. For at that last trump, he said, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ, yeah, they're going to rise first, but we which are alive and have survived he said shall be caught up in the clouds hallelujah to meet the Lord and so shall we ever be with the Lord wherefore comfort ye one another with these words hallelujah glory to God glory to God hallelujah 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 <laughs> my God would you stand to your feet I I'm going to end up just rapturing myself here tonight if I keep talking like this. Hallelujah. 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 Why don't you just worship him the way that you know how to worship him. Just worship him and praise him. We worship you, Lord. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Reveal the Lord Jesus to us, Holy Spirit. Reveal the Lord Jesus to us. Come, even come quickly, Lord Jesus. The Spirit and the bride say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Oh, let him fill you fresh. Let him fill you new. Give your heart to him. Give your mind to him. Give your spirit to him. What is your expectation? Hallelujah. He's coming again. He's coming again. Hallelujah. Let him wash over you. Let him forgive you. Let him cleanse you. Let him refill you. Why don't you praise him? Why don't you declare his glory? Why don't you let him inhabit your praises? Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Let him heal you. Let him save you. Let him deliver you right where you are. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I bless your people, Lord. I bless their families. I bless their children. I bless their businesses. I bless their houses. I speak blessing unto them. The Lord rebuke thee, Satan, in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus against you. You have no authority in our households. You have no authority over our children. You take your hands off our marriages. You take your hands off our city. You take your hands off this reservation. You take your hands off the children of this community. Unity. You take your hands off this planet, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The Lord is God. The Lord is King. It is He and He alone that is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody praise Him. Somebody worship Him. Somebody glorify His name. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hey, hallelujah to the Lamb of God, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God.